Welcome to the Enlighten Up Podcast, where I am going to take you into a deep exploration of what it means to exist in this current reality. We are going to raise your vibes, open your mind, expand your heart, and dive deep into the wondrous mysteries and possibilities of this lifetime. There's been a spiritual catalyst that has set in motion the awakening process of many across the globe to return to the knowingness of self and unite what has been separated. Together, we're going to bring light into that darkness. We're going to remember the joy of living. But most of all, we're going to turn up the volume of our own eternal power and do the thing we're here to do. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast. So happy to be back here with you again. And today I have a brand new guest uh, coming on the show. His name is Derek Loudermilk, and he is a professional adventurer, quantum business coach, best-selling author, speaker, digital nomad, father, founder of Adventure Quest Travel, and host of the Derek Loudermilk Show. He's here to help people do things that they've never done before and make their lives the most amazing adventure possible. In the last couple of years, he's been working hard to bridge science and spirituality so that we can experience magic in our everyday lives. And I love magic. So Derek, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Nicole. Great to be here. Thank you. Uh Yeah, so good to have you here. Well, you know, when we were just chatting before the show, I feel like there's a lot of topics we could jump into here. But, you know, have you always been into bridging the gap of science and spirituality? Have you been more science based, more spiritual? How has it all worked out for you? Yeah, I always thought that I would be a scientist. It was one of those invisible scripts that was running my life for a long time. And it's partly because my dad is a scientist. And all of my teachers told me, wow, you're really good at science. You should be a scientist. And then I was like, okay, sounds great. Um, You don't have to always listen when you're good at something. You don't have to, you don't have to make a career just because you're good at something, which is what I eventually learned. And I went all the way up to being in a PhD program, which I eventually was a PhD dropout. And so for a long time, I was really deep into the rational scientific mind, you know, thinking as a materialist. And eventually I started to explore more of the spiritual, the metaphysical, partly because of my travels to many magical places around the world, uh, power centers, you know, ancient sites, and just having experiences that uh, there, it turns out there are scientific explanations, but not when I first encountered them, I was like, well, is this, how is this possible? So I started having to dig into the science to understand, because I thought, okay, if I'm having magical experiences, out-of-body experiences, stuff that I can't explain, there still has to be a fundamental principles of the universe allowing me to have that experience. Otherwise I just wouldn't have it. And so, yeah, I started as I, as I do, you know, doing some research and, and digging in, and then people started telling me, <laughs> sounds like I'm listening to a lot of other people. They were like, you should connect science and spirituality. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. So that's kind of what I've been doing uh, for the last few years. Oh my gosh. Well, it's funny because that reminds me of this quote where they say, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And just because you can't, doesn't mean you shouldn't. Mm. And I think that's something that kind of gets programmed into us in the beginning uh, is basically the opposite of that. You know, whatever you're good at, that's what you should do. And I think there's obviously some truth to that. I think there, it lays some sort of foundation work for all of us, but I've found that it's the stuff that I didn't know I was that great at. And the stuff I had to really lean into where my fears were, that's where my greatest potential was, you know, like where I've actually been able to shine more. So have you found that this is kind of where you've been shining more is when you kind of stepped into the, the metaphysical world and exploring more of the spirituality. Well, what I've come to really appreciate is my scientific training because it gives me credibility with 
so many people that may label themselves as skeptical or traditional or, or whatever it might be, you know, including my parents. And um, I used to get annoyed when people would speak too too much in the woo-woo without explaining themselves or without sort of saying like why they knew certain things or, you know, just there was a disconnect between, okay, well, how do you actually know this stuff? And what I really like to do for myself, but it seems to help a lot of people is to have some explanatory mechanism. Well, you know, here's how time travel works. Here's how lucid dreaming works. Here's how astral projection actually works. You know, maybe it's a brainwave state based type of thing, or, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to be able to make analogies for people to, to have it in some sort of concrete example. So it's actually served me really well having this scientific training. Yeah, it's, it gives you a nice strong foundation to build upon and also to, in many ways, help you expand. Uh, because once you have like a base, it's like, okay, I know this, but then it gives you something, but I can't explain this using that. So what does that mean? And it kind of helps your mind expand in different ways with your nomadic travels. You've been like a digital nomadic traveler. You've gone, you've lived in like, how many countries have you lived in? Well, when I say live, I usually mean three months or more. And I'm, I'm qualifying this in my mind where I get to know my uh, local grocer. Uh, so if you've been there long enough for someone to like recognize you and have a conversation in your grocery store, then that's probably, you know, four to six weeks you've been there. And then to make some friends that you see regularly, like, like that's, that's how, you know, you've actually lived in a place versus just visiting. So I would say we've lived in about 15 countries. Um, visited maybe 45 or so. And what was the reason for that? Like, was, was there a purpose behind just wanting to travel and explore or was there another reason also on top of that? That's a good question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me like, why, <laughs> why are you doing this? Um, it was uh, a lot of times I would give myself a quest, something to have a framework for exploration. So, uh, this metaphysical quest, for example, to do a hundred different metaphysical experiments. I, one of my early quests was to go to every state before I turned 30, every U S state. And I did right on my 30th birthday, I got to Alaska and we made a cake in the shape of Alaska and it was really fun. And so, so, you know, some of these states, for example, that are harder to get to like Delaware and Alaska, uh, it forced me to actually go and put the energy in to to do that instead of going back to Colorado again or back to my favorite places, which is a really, it's, I don't know, quests are just such a fantastic framework, uh, not just for, for getting stuff done, but for collecting experiences. And so uh, this is still, I haven't lived on every continent, but it's part of a quest to live on every continent. Um, all, the six that people live on really, Antarctica, they, you get a pass, but, um, yeah, you know, I just I set up these 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 frameworks and then go about just trying to tick them off in a way. Oh, cool. Like it's because you know, I've done I've done a bit of traveling myself where I've stayed for months at a time in places and I've lived in a few different countries too for extended periods of time. And so for me, it's always there's something I find that there's something about living in different countries. One, it challenges you. It opens you up to new cultures. You get to experience things in new ways. So whenever you're in a new experience, it forces you to, I guess, pull on things that you wouldn't normally pull on within yourself because of like your comfort zone. And I've also found that there's certain lands that we're kind of uh, attracted to because of the way the land's going to speak to us when we're there. Is there any particular place that you've been to that really spoke to you and opened you up in a way that you know was a direct result of you being in that place? Yeah, there are several. The first one's coming to mind is Angkor Wat. And this was actually, I saw a picture of a tree. And if you've ever seen these wonderful giant trees that sort of are growing on top of the temples. They sort of their roots intertwine through the rocks and it's, it's really breathtaking. There was a, 
this one particular tree and this one particular temple in National Geographic when I was a kid, when I was 10 years old. And I said, oh my gosh, that's the most amazing place in the world. It just was, you know, Indiana Jones, uh, you know, temple. It, it just struck me. And then I thought about it for years and years. And I thought, oh, I hope to see that tree one day. And then I realized I should just make a pilgrimage to see this tree. And I should just go and spend some time at this very spot that I've always imagined. And getting, getting there, so eventually I was able to, to spend you know, several days at Angkor Wat and this tree, and so the tree itself is in the, the temple of the emperor's mother. So um, one of the figures who built many of the temples in this, this temple complex, which is like a hundred square miles, it's huge. He built a temple for himself and his mother and his father. And all the temples built for men are cleaned up and pristine and sort of they've tried to restore them back to their uh, archaeological, you know, as, as well as they could. But they left the mother temple wild. So it's full of these trees and moss and it feels like Mother Earth. Like it feels like a woman's temple. And... Uh, it's so much, it's much more magical than, <laughs> than all the other ones. But so, so you have to sort of wind your way through the whole mother's temple to get to the very, very heart, which is where this tree is. And it's, mm, it's a 500, 600 year old tree that's, you know, highly revered. There's several special trees on, on this temple, but, you know, just being there in the presence of this tree and um, it was everything I hoped that it would be. And Angkor Wat is one of the, um, there's several ancient sites around the world that are very solar focused towards the sun. And I had never tried meditating before I went to Angkor Wat. And then I did a meditation retreat there. And the very first try, I was able to connect with the sun and sort of become the sun or or something like that and sort of uh it was a very dramatic experience like being filled up fully my body just with sunlight like i was made of sun or like i was the sun hard to tell and after i did it, i was like oh my gosh meditation is amazing like this is the coolest thing in the world and everyone was like ugh, like meditation is terrible i I'm getting so stiff from sitting so long and the mosquitoes and the dogs barking and everything. Everyone was complaining. I was like, what are you guys talking about? Like, you know, when you meditate and you turn into the sun, it's just the most coolest thing in the world. And they're like, yeah, whatever. We, <laughs> we didn't experience that. So that, you know, having that meditation experience and this experience with a tree at this temple that I've been wanting to go to for decades was, was yeah, really a peak uh, moment for me. So that really must have opened up your third eye um, to, for you to be able to see either yourself as the sun or being filled up with sunlight. Uh, that is a big pineal gland activation. Mm. See, I, I don't even really, that's cool that you say that. I, I wasn't even at the time, this was maybe seven, eight years ago. I haven't, I wasn't even thinking about pineal gland or any of that stuff so very well that it could have been <laughs> so this tree this is not the same tree though that you connected with in bali or is it the same no it's a different different tree and, yeah. and now that i'm saying it i suppose i have uh, a lot of tree allies around the world which is bringing up our earlier conversation, which the audience isn't going to know, but we're going to get into it is why we were talking about plant medicine. Mm. Very interesting. We will put a pin in that one and we'll come back to it. But how do you feel about that? Like just knowing that you've had, like the plants have been speaking to you and have been activating you. I don't think it's any sort of coincidence that you're being called to work with plant medicine um, more so in your journey right now. Mm. Yeah. And I'm also just farming, just growing crops, food, you know, for the first time as a nomad, you don't have a garden. So <laughs> it was, you can't pack that in your carry-on bag. So uh, we have, and I have a house here in St. Louis and, you know, it's really 
magical in a way to interact with a growing plant every day and nurture it and you know thank it when it gives you fruit and just part of that whole cycle of of life so when you finished this meditation did your next meditation feel the exact same way or were you kind of disappointed or like how did it how did it happen yeah actually i have um sometimes i have this solar connection but a lot more times i have a wind connection which is that um some i'm sure that this is like a standard style of meditation when you sort of breathe in and you feel like you're connecting with all the air and all the atmosphere you know like this little atom can go anywhere in the air and a lot of times i feel like my consciousness is swept up in the wind and sort of is blown around the planet as i'm meditating so that happens even more often than um than the sun connection Oh, wow. I've never heard of it described that way. That's really cool. Okay. I think someone was saying, you know, imagine breathing in, you're not just breathing into your lungs, but you're breathing into your, like your lungs take up your whole body. Like your whole body is one big lung. You're mm -hmm. breathing into your toes and your fingers and, um, and even maybe you're breathing through the pores all over your body. Yep. And then that just seems to, to do it, you know, change the perspective really quickly. Okay. Well, I love that. So then you have this incredible experience uh, at this temple, uh, and then you're you also have an incredible experience with a tree in Bali. Can you share your share that? Like, yeah, I I am gifted with a lot of as I'm saying. There's a lot of uh, just really wonderful experiences. The the tree in Bali is the one I'm most fond of. It's even more ancient. It's maybe more like a thousand years old and it's deep in the very heart of Bali. Bali is a volcanic island. So this is the central central highlands of Bali. It's the, mm, it's just the most, the most nature crammed into the square inch of anywhere in the world. It's just like mother earth's finest <laughs> all right there. Where in Bali was this tree? Because I went to a tree in Bali as well, and I had a very um, emotional experience with it. Okay, this one is up in Badugal area, which uh, is near the, the main water temple. Um, if you went to uh, Danua Baratan, which is like, it's on the Indonesian money. It's so important. The whole country puts it on their money. Um, oh. This is a very, very special spot. Every village has a sacred tree. Yeah, they have the big tree and they they put the statues around it and a little temple to the tree. So you can go to a magical tree in hundreds of different places across the island. Mm -hmm. Some of them are truly remarkable, but none of them gave me anything special until this one, this one okay. which <laughs> is the most magical tree in my estimation. <laughs> um, and this, uh, this tree gave me an out-of-body experience where it, uh, I placed my hands on the tree just, you know, to, to hug it or to just appreciate Connect. it. Yeah. And it was like an electric shock, you know, and then sweating, uh, emotions, just all the emotions, crying, um, kind of panicky. And uh, my girlfriend at the time said, you know, why don't you, why don't you just sit here and allow yourself to go into the experience? She was actually a lot more experienced in these matters than, than I was at the time. And so I spent maybe half an hour there with the tree and it sent my awareness, my consciousness to another forest in China, a, a forest that the the gobi desert is slowly encroaching so so the sand is you know creeping into the forest and slowly destroying the forest as the desert just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and this uh as i interpreted it was a warning like we are not taking care of our planet which i knew intellectually but this was like very emotional you know showing me like if you don't pay attention you're going to turn the whole thing into dust you know and i was like oh shit this is actually pretty terrifying and dramatic and i was like okay fine what do i do you know like is there something i need to 
do other than just be afraid for our future. <laughs> and the mission was to take people, uh, you know, in influential people, people that could actually make a difference, bring them into nature and remind them of their connectedness because we've largely made ourselves separate from nature. Like we, we don't even think of ourselves as biology anymore to some degree, which is totally absurd. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was, I was somewhat um, embarrassed of my own forget, forgetting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm human too. I was uh, traveling and spending, spending my night in the hotel instead of sleeping out in the forest. Um, and so that's when I started these uh, adventure trips, taking, you know, uh, these adventure quest trips. And the idea was, well, I wanted to do something that was fun for me, just go have adventures, but also to, to make it a little bit more impactful um, to, to take people really into the wilderness to have that experience of, of being alive in nature so that they would remember uh, that part of themselves. And do, when you take people into, into nature to have some of these like mini quests, so to speak, are any of them having, let's call them nature-induced awakenings, similar to what you had with the, with the tree, uh, that are, just say, awakening something within them to recall? It's... Um... The and and I think if I were to structure the trip with more space, uh, I, I think to do that you need to build in a lot of hmm, a lot more room into a trip. The way that I sell these trips, the way that I sort of advertise them, and uh, like we're doing an adventure on Monday, and then Tuesday we're working on your business, we're doing personal development, then Wednesday is another adventure, and then Thursday maybe you take a half a day off and get a massage, but then we're going to keep going on Friday, another adventure. So it's very full. And so a lot of times the access point for personal growth is through the physical challenges or through the emotional workshops or whatever it might be. Um, I do think it is a fantastic way of, of getting to personal growth through physical challenges and comfort zone using the body. Mm -hmm, um, I agree. And so a lot of times people will, will just, they'll do something they've never done before physically. And that is analogous to some other aspect of their life, whether it's uh, getting married or starting a new aspect of their business or deciding to have children or moving to a new country, whatever it might be. A lot of times it opens up possibility uh, just because they've gone through all these various challenges. So they experience a shift in their life in some way that is related to an experience through the adventure that they're having on this trip with you. Yeah, definitely can. That's available for, for everyone. Okay, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's important. I mean, when I think about all of the trips that I've ever done just on my own backpacking through Costa Rica, Panama by myself, um, going to Bali for a month and just traveling through. There are so many things that come up that you're, again, you're forced to face within yourself that you wouldn't normally face in a place of comfort in your usual day-to-day -day routine. So when you take yourself out of that routine and you put yourself not even just back in nature, although that's a huge component of it, but also out of your comfort zone in ways that really cause you to again, pull on aspects of yourself that you didn't even know were there. Uh, I feel like that is part of the process of the, well, the experiential learning process that really teaches us, I think the most is through experience. And you can have some very rich experiences doing what you're doing with your clients. So I love that. Yeah. You know, on a brain level, just, just landing on, in a new place shakes the snow globe. It, it forces your neurons to make new pathways. It forces you to look at the world as a beginner. It forces you, um, yeah, to re recalibrate your comfort zone and, and also your identity of, you know, who am I in the situation? And, um, you know, it's, if you've, if you've gone through so many different challenges, 
while while traveling if you've if you've missed a day of meals or if you've been lost in a snowstorm or if you know if you've just spent 10 hours just constantly climbing a mountain for you know a full full 10 hours uh the normal patterns of life like having a difficult conversation with somebody or uh trying to trying to plan a party you know it all seems imminently just easy and joyful right if you if you you have this confidence like i will do a good job at anything you know i will i will make friends with anyone it's going to be easy it's going to be fun it really helps to put things into perspective and reshape perspective i completely agree i completely agree so you call yourself a time traveler so let's get into that fun topic I mean, essentially, I feel like we're all time traveling at some point, you know, when we go back in time to our memories, Uh, I, I use time travel a lot in healing, especially when it comes to inner child work. So talk about time travel from your perspective and how you first engaged it. This is, and this is so funny, like, uh, I don't know how many different labels I've given myself, but based, based on if I'm at a cocktail party and someone's like, what do you do? I want to be able to to bust out like, oh, I'm a time traveler, or I'm a professional adventure because it's I just a good want icebreaker. To a, yeah, right. I just <laughs> want to have an interesting conversation. So that's kind of where it started, and the the principle, the concept was, okay, here's here's a scientific framework for dimensions, right? Okay, 3D is this uh, length width height, for you know, 4D is time, but 5D collapses to a to a single point. So if we are going to have a 5D experience, then we should be able to be more fluid with time. You know, it's it's more of a of a human construct that we're mapping our experiences on this flow of linear time, but we should also be able to have experiences of uh, bending or moving about in time. And so <clears throat> actually this just occurred to me the other day that uh, you can more easily access time travel, if, if you're coming at it from the right uh, emotional state, if you're living in a fifth dimensional state uh, or like a fourth dense density consciousness, which is essentially like gratitude, then it really facilitates having a, an experience where you have more mastery over time. And Another another reason I wanted to sort of explore this was because I hear so often from my entrepreneur clients, I don't have enough time, or I'm I'm so busy, or I just, you know, I wish there were more hours in the day, yada yada yada, or nothing ever gets done on time. You know, all these like complaints about time. And I was like, oh, we should we should really be able to have a little bit more fun with time. And so I've come to realize that there's essentially two different, three three different types of time travel. One would be like the UFO, the alien technology, actual physical moving of your body into time. And I haven't done that. Okay. Um, like in a time machine. The, the other one is where you actually, you can go and experience an aspect of yourself in the future or past and live as that person. So if you had a previous life as a Roman, you could go and experience your, you could experience Roman times through yourself. Uh, you essentially just have to harmonize your own frequency with the frequency of that past version. And just like you're, you're viewing the world through their eyes and having that experience. Okay. The most pause, okay. pause, yep. pause, right okay, there. Pause, there. pause right there. Because take us through then how you would, cause the way you like, and you just do it like this and you're there. <laughs> so, okay. So how would you harmonize your frequency? Okay. So I'm assuming you've done this but since you're calling yourself a time traveler. So was there, is there a past life that you've harmonized yourself with to, to pull in that experience? Well, I've actually done this, um, mostly into the future. Okay. You could, you can go either direction, but, um, I ended up doing doing it with my future self just because um, actually the same this same lifetime the current present incarnation lifetime uh, 
100, 200, 300 years into the future and sort of viewing my, yeah, just that it's the, the trajectory of my experience in this body and multiple sort of centuries into the future. Um, so it's, I, I would assume it's the same kind of template that you're using um, to, if you were to do it, whether you go back to a past life or you're going to a future life, it's the same kind of concept. You're just going in a quote unquote different direction. <laughs> right. It, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's really, it's just uh, imagination to mm-hmm. some degree, but it's, um, I imagine if you were, if you were measuring my brainwave states, you would probably find when I'm doing this, I'm in a very particular range, probably a theta state that allows this to be possible. And the way that I do it is I, I use, uh, I imagine a time crystal sort of deep in the earth and I'm going into the time crystal and using the crystal itself as a portal to, to time travel. Okay. Do you use any specific kind of crystals that do that they work for you or does it matter? The one I visualize is probably quartz. It's just a clear crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, and Okay, so yes. you envision yourself kind of dropping into this crystal in the earth, a clear, like maybe a clear quartz crystal, and use that as a portal to your future self. Do you have any kind of ceremony that you do within that time period uh, or any kind of... Um, intention setting that you use before you start this process? Uh, Sometimes, no, not, not as much. Um, Intention is super important. And I, I, you know, uh, I could probably benefit from being (laughs) a little bit more clear about what I'm going after. I'm really going there more as a traveler than with a specific purpose. But a lot of times I will start by first observing the environment before I actually look to see what's happening with the person. Okay. So once you're in the future, you're just, you're just kind of taking in the environment. Yeah. And I, so the harmonization aspect of it is to, to look around and see what's the situation on the ground. Like, what are the buildings like? What is this community like? What is the nature like? And that helps clue me into the experience of being the, the person. And then I go, and then I sort of move into viewing the world through the eyes of that person. That makes a lot of sense. Whenever I'm doing guided meditations, um, especially when I do inner child guided meditations with my clients to help them reconnect, one of the things that I focus on first before they even connect with their inner child or see their inner child is to take in their surroundings and to really yeah. focus on the textures, the, the temperature, the sense, the smell, like all of that, so that they can really immerse themselves into that reality. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, that's good confirmation to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I totally resonate that. The, so we're kind of doing the same thing. And that makes sense because it does allow you to connect with that place, wherever you are in that period of time or no time <laughs> uh, is, I think it allows for that at a much faster rate and at a much deeper rate. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, um, yeah, just getting the lay of the land a little bit. Um, and is there like a particular frequency that you're kind of tuning into when you're going into that clear quartz crystal? Like, I know you talked about gratitude. I think gratitude is a, is a, a huge zero point portal, right? It allows you just to jump into a new timeline or anything like that, jump into a future timeline. Um is there any particular frequency that you find yourself using or a few different ones that you like to use? Honestly, I feel, I feel pretty neutral. Um, and, and there's that, that moment, there's a moment when I'm uh, sort of visualizing moving into the crystal, like the crystal is getting bigger and bigger in front of me until it takes up the whole of my vision. And then I'm inside of it. Yeah. And then I can sort of point, point my, consciousness in any direction um from in there Um, i love that 
Yeah, like being sucked into a, your TV or something. Yeah, no, I, I I love that visual. I'm totally gonna use that. <laughs> okay, great. I'm gonna try that later, Derek. I love that. I've never <laughs> thought of it that way before. But it's it's interesting because I guess I've never done it with a crystal. I, I guess I've done it in other ways in my meditation. Now that we're talking about it, but I really like that idea. And then almost like using the prismatic uh shape of the crystal to kind of transport you into any dimension or any uh part of the future that you are going to yeah i i think it would work for anyone i have a particularly a particular affinity for crystals and minerals since i was mm -hmm. a kid yeah uh so it's a it's very comfortable for me to use that but you yeah, could no. probably just you could probably just be like and make a portal in your mind and step through it you know to totally. But I mean, why not have a lot of fun with it? You know, use your imagination, <laughs> go wild, you know, like there's, there's no, there, I, I think it's great. Use different colors, different crystals, different, all that kind of stuff. So what have you learned? Has there been anything like really profound that you've learned or taken in or observed while you've been in connecting with your future self? Yeah. And this is a lesson that I keep having to learn, which is the it's super simple. It's really easy to be happy. It's really easy to be in harmony with nature. Uh, it doesn't have to be complicated, you know? So what I see when I go into the future is this sort of very high-tech agrarian society of maybe some cities that are acting as sort of cultural nodes, but there's a lot more mm, smaller communities and you know, the, the one version of my future self, I'm actually living in a tree. It's, it's sort of a, it's sort of a tree construction hybrid where, where it's like the tree is big enough and it's supported by man-made supports, but it's like an organic overlay. Um, and, you know, I'm growing crops, but using, um, vibrational technology like a vibrational fertilizer like like playing beethoven but a little bit more scientific i that. love that vibrational <laughs> fertilizer oh my god i love that <laughs> you know and it's just it's one of those places where you you could just show up at your neighbor's house unannounced and spend the whole afternoon just shooting the shit it's it's very relaxed nobody's working hard everyone has enough um and it's just such a such an easier way of of living <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. This is really cool because it's starting what you're experiencing and sharing with us right now is quickly putting things into place in my mind about the importance of our own vibrational frequency and how we literally become fertilizer for the earth and other people's experiences just by holding a higher vibration through our own desire to live happier, to live more in a healed place, uh, more, more from joy, more from peace, whatever it might be, you know, living authentically uh, and, and through all of those things, holding your own natural state of higher vibration. And through that, you literally become like a, a walking vibrational fertilizer to everyone around you, you know, whether it's the ground that you're walking on or the party that you go to. And I totally love this concept. Like this is totally blowing my mind. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Derek, I, you've totally introduced me to this concept that is so simple and so it, it takes something that's very intangible and makes it so tangible mm, wow uh thank you for getting so much out of it <laughs> <laughs> it's it's um it's really for me it can be a huge relief that i don't have to do something in order to help humanity like i could just i could just go about my day and whoever i'm encountering uh, if they enter my field, that will benefit them in some way. If, and, and so you, you actually, like one of your primary reasons is just to be here, you know, and it's so simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. And that's, and that's what I love. And I think, and, and here's the thing too, it's not complex in a sense of a lot of people, I think overthink 
what their mission is or what their purpose is and, and all of that. And I get it because everyone wants to have a purpose. They want to feel purposeful in what they're doing and creating. And, and I totally understand that. I go, but there's so much purpose that comes from you just being you and allowing yourself to live from that place of pure acceptance and authentic expression. Man, like I really feel like this world would shift dramatically if every single person for just five minutes all at once, we all decided to be so accepting of ourselves and just express authentically what we needed to with no fear of judgment. Like that would be a total game changer. Yeah, yeah, it would. And, you know, the the coaching side of me is I'm, I'm always looking for access points. Like how, okay, if we want to have that experience, like how, how can we get there? How can we um, make this more reliable to have this experience more frequently, for example? And then, then it comes time to just like make up some fun homework for somebody, right? Like, okay, if, if you really want to be living more authentically, then we're going to make you a bunch of challenges that force you to sort of push that boundary of allowing yourself. So wherever you're uncomfortable with your own authenticity, right? We're going to, we're going to attack that from different sides so that we can dissolve the discomfort with your authenticity by by sort of pushing you to some degree. Like this is the adventurer side of me. Like we're going to challenge you to um, ask for something that you expect to get a no to uh, for a month, right? Every day you have to try to get somebody to tell you no, so that you become totally accepting of both a no and a yes. And then all of a sudden you're, you're free from, uh, you know, whether somebody tells you yes or no, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, that's their own free will, right? But you have the free will to ask for what you want. Oh, I love that. I think that's a fantastic exercise. So you're getting people comfortable with the rejection so that it's not a trigger anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, there's, there's, um, I'm always playing with for myself, uh, you know, one, one challenge that I've given myself is what's the most sort of, uh, what's the tenderest yet most strong emotion I can actually express with words. So can I, can I recall an experience from my life? Can I tell a story that actually makes me feel strong emotions and really allowing me to push the edge of sort of the realness of the experience in how I talk about it? Um, Just, yeah, so that, so that my communication and my own experience can, can be more and more authentic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Really tap into that raw emotion. Yeah. And that's a challenge for me as it is with a lot of scientific trained people, a lot of Western men in, in particular, because again, there's a lack of fluency with understanding just all the feelings that are happening in there. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. So this is so wonderful. I love it when a, uh, a guest comes on the show and, and introduces me to a couple of new <laughs> concepts or just perspectives, wait, like a total shift in how I see something. I think that's great. I know the audience is going gonna, is gonna to love this. You're, you're dropping some beautiful and incredible um, points here that I think are very empowering and uh, liberating for people. So you also have incredible experiences accessing the dream world. Yeah, we were chatting about this just beforehand. I yeah, I love it's it's um I do probably most of my adventuring when I'm not traveling in the dream world. Okay. Because it's you can do it every night, you know, it's like if you're missing a, a little adventure in your life because you've been on some kind of lockdown or like me, I have kids and all these other responsibilities, my plants, you know, and I can't go away for a few months at a time. You can do almost anything in the dream world. And I became aware of this when I first was about to become a dad. And this woman found me on 
the internet or her guides told her, go, you know, go hire Derek as a business coach. She was an Oracle. This is what she called herself. And she said, yeah, my guides told me to hire you as my business coach. I was like, oh, that's, that's amazing. Great. <laughs> How easy is that? <laughs> He's like, can I bring your guides on my marketing team? <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, that's how business really should be done though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she said, but you will really get a lot from learning to have a rich dream experience. So you don't miss the adventure. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And I started, you know, just keeping a dream journal and uh, eventually learned to lucid dream from time to time. And now I, I would say I have enough familiarity, enough experience in the dream world that I can parse the details a bit more, the symbolism, the archetypes, the recurring situations, the themes, um, and, and sort of understand, okay, this is just my normal brain wave processing the day, my normal brain function, or this is external to my physical body. This is collective unconscious happening or the way that I use it for business is I start with a clear intent. Now, this is a place where I actually do have a, a good uh, practice of intention setting, but you can, um, if you're looking for a customer or if you're looking for a client or a partner, some sort of opportunity, you can find it in the dream world. You can get clues, you can get Sometimes you actually just get the answer, you know, should I, should I do this deal? Yes or no. And boom, it's very obvious. <clears throat> Sometimes it takes a little bit more interpretation. Um, if it's, you know, you know, I'm, I'm leaping over snakes all of a sudden. And then I said, ah, stop leaping over snakes. Why don't I just fly instead? Uh, that seems much easier. Okay. Well, what does that, what does that mean in terms of uh, how I should conduct my business tomorrow? Um, so there's some degree of Actually, what I what do I actually do with this information? But um, okay, yeah, I would say for people that aren't already don't already have a dream practice, the first two steps are intending to remember. I will wake up and I will remember, because if you don't, it would just slip away quite quickly. Yeah. And the second step is to have the notebook and pen ready right next to the bed. So you can just kind of roll over and start writing as soon as you wake up before it slips away. Yeah. Very important. And, and, and I, I agree. I've had a lucid dreamer on um, who teaches people how to lucid dream. And that is the first thing that he tells everyone, like you've got to one, set the intention, you know, that you want to remember and kind of like put that declaration out so that you can, and then also be ready to record what you are and you create a practice, which eventually becomes more of a habit and it becomes almost like instinctual. Yeah. And so even if I go to bed without a specific goal, if I, if I don't need business guidance or, or anything, you know, and a friend shows up in my dream, I'll ask myself, okay, uh, is there anything I need to do with this? Or is it just nice to see them in the dream? Or do I feel like I want to give them a call? Or do I, maybe they were in my dream three times this week. What does that mean? Um, and sometimes I find that it's actual real predictive events. So I have a, uh, my college roommate, I, I was out camping and um, had a dream that he told me he was expecting his first child. And I got finished camping. I was like, oh, hey, I had this dream. Uh, can you confirm that this is real? He's like, oh my gosh, how did you know? Like, we, we haven't told anyone, like, that's wild. I was like, well, you, you told me uh, in my dream. And he was like, that's wild. And then I delivered his baby in my dream the day that it was delivered. And so I, so I knew when his baby came out, I was like, yo, no deliver way. the baby. Did you have yours? He's like, yep, just had, just had our kid. I was like, okay. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> there's sometimes it's giving you actually real earth information. And sometimes mm -hmm. uh, it's just, you know, more. How do you decipher? Like, are there times where you're able to decipher like what's more prophetic and what's more symbolic messaging? Well, I suppose it could have been right. He wasn't having a baby and then it would have been symbolic to some degree but yeah. that was only confirmed from 
what I'm asking though is like, okay, so because I can tell within certain dreams that there's a certain vividness to a dream, uh, the colors just seem brighter or the experience seems more real, like so powerful that you can tell that it's, there might be some more propheticness to it than just maybe perhaps a message that's coming in as a symbolic dream for you to work with in your day-to-day. Have you ever noticed okay. anything like that in your dreams? I still have, so so this might be uh, good for people to hear or, or discouraging, but I've been, <laughs> okay. I've been at this for six years now mm-hmm. and I, I don't think I can tell the difference. Um, well, I think that's honest, which just gives but, you a lot more credibility, by the way. <laughs> so I, you know, this is, is kind of like a, a lifelong practice. I think probably I would expect to keep improving mm-hmm. over decades, or maybe one day I'll just get it and I'll just have mastered it. Well, look, it's like anything. Some people, they go to meditate and it's like, they just can't do it. You touch a tree and you become the sun, you know? And then there's people who may have dreams and they can like pick up on propheticness, like the next things just start happening or they, they understand it. And then there's other people that it takes them longer. I think it's not, neither is wrong or bad or good or whatever. It's just part of the process, right? We all have certain affinities to certain uh, frequencies, textures, uh, colors, all of that. So I think that it's very individual on how we experience, which I think is also an important message for anyone listening to this to understand that not to hold judgment of yourself against anyone else, because you're not experiencing it the way that person experienced it. And then there must be something Mm. wrong with you. Yeah. That's a, that's a good reminder. And, you know, I, I really do get a lot of joy from having other people interpret my dreams as well i'll just if there's a particularly interesting set of symbols or circumstance i'll throw it up on social media and people love interpreting dreams this is like the most engaged post that i (laughs) that i put up there you know everyone has an interpretation right everyone has an opinion but if a lot of people are saying the same types of things it's kind of interesting okay wow uh 10 people have said that these snakes represent the divine feminine or, or that this, um, yeah, this particular situation, you know, you know, so it's cool to see how other people are interpreting it. And I feel mm-hmm. this is a very, um, primal human thing that imagine a, a group of ancient humans sitting around the fire, all sharing their dreams in the morning. And that could have been a really important part of their I agree. worldview. Yeah. 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 And speaking about that, uh, you know, you've been recently working with a shaman and getting more into plant medicine, psychedelics. Uh, what kind of got you started in that? This is, I mean, I just, I just, by luck, happened to be working with a shaman. I uh, became friends with someone who has worked with this shaman uh, and introduced me. And then it, it's a, <laughs> a lot of people ask me, oh, you get to start working with the shaman. And uh, he, the shaman was joking and like, oh, you, you know, just look on the shaman classifieds and, you know, pick your favorite and <laughs> just start working with them. And so many people are using the word shaman it, that it's become hard to know what is actually a shaman. And sure, there's different flavors or aspects of them. And the one I work with, um, I would say plant medicines is a, is a good access point for having these um, non-ordinary reality experiences mm-hmm. of which dream time is also one of which holotropic breathwork is also one, or even dancing can be, Absolutely. you know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> the, the one that I work with um, he can just, he can just put you in that state just through his personal power. So it, it, it's almost like you, you don't need the, the plants are like a crutch in some way <clears throat> until you, until you master the state and then you don't need the plants anymore. But I'm still, I still like to, to use, 
to use them. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, here's the thing. I think that they're tools, right? Um, they're tools for us to use. And I think there's a point where, yeah, you want to be able to experience what a plant medicine may be able to offer you on your own and to reach that sort of mastery. And I think that a lot of us can do that in varying different ways, but I also think we all experience our, our own blocks and we also go through different levels of our own journey. And sometimes one level just can be too hard to break through. And sometimes having a tool like such as plant medicine could be very helpful. I know that, you know, we were talking earlier, I'm getting ready to do my very first ayahuasca journey uh, in Tulum, Mexico soon. And it's not because I feel I need it, but although I do think it's going to be helpful, but more so that I'm feeling the call to reconnect with the actual plant through that particular journey Mm. uh, in that particular location. So as we were kind of talking at the beginning of the show, how there's certain locations that can open you up. I know Tulum is one for me. I've already had two incredible activations in Tulum at the ruins. And so I know that there's something there that's meant to kind of open me up, not just individually, but also for my business practice, uh, to deepen it with clients that I'm going to be utilizing through this. So you said you worked a lot with, um, like psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, what's your experience like with them? Well, my, so my scientific training, I was a microbiologist and, uh, I've grown, um, you know, I've made beer and wine and sauerkraut and sourdough bread and just grown all of the things and the mushrooms as well, you know, different types of edible mushrooms. And, um, so I, I have a cultivation affinity for them in some way. And the difference between mushrooms and ayahuasca, as I've, I've heard it explained, ayahuasca is sort of a galactic plant technology that perhaps uh, evolved separately from Gaia and was sort of brought here as a tool to assist humanity. And mushrooms sort of co-evolved with the planet and have always been part of the neural network of the planet. And so it's very much more an earthy vibe to it. My experience is that it um, psilocybin seems to, to open, open me up to receiving a lot, but just having more flow through me uh, in a way. It's kind of like widens the aperture of the, the experience of of being human, but also being a sort of a cosmic energetic being. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So is your shaman teaching you how to produce more of your own DMT? No. Um, what I'm primarily working on right now is uh, sort of being free of uh, all karma and mm -hmm. just sort of operating uh so sort of reclaiming all of my experiences in the whole universe and sort of uniting them all in one experience in the moment. Okay. I love that. Like, I think it's interesting because when it comes to karma, karma is an interesting topic, right? Because there's a lot of different perceptions around what karma is, how to use karma, not use karma. Is there even karma? You know, like there's a lot of conversations around it. But I, it's been interesting the way I've been using it with, I have, have a guest on who comes on regularly and she's also a dear friend of mine who may also be coming to do the ayahuasca journey with mm -hmm. me, um, Consuelo. She does karmic clearing. She's designed her own um, healing session where she does karmic clearing to find out what's happened in a past life that is holding you back in this one. And it's not even necessary to hold on to it anymore. Like the karma's done, but it's still got the imprint there. And so it's about clearing the imprint of that karma. So you don't have to uh, be held back or have it affect you in this lifetime because this is your most important lifetime anyway. So allowing that this lifetime to kind of shine through more. Yeah. And the way, the way that I picture it, is um and the way that he speaks about it is the the body or the soul is essentially trillions of luminous fibers that make up 
the, the material person of us and that karma creates the distortion in the patterns of the fibers. Oh. And so um, you, and so does like psychic attachments and, you know, uh, various other entities. There's all different ways to get distortions within the luminosity. And essentially it's almost like the way I see it is you're like combing, combing your hair in a way you're, you're making your self whole again on a fundamental level. I like that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense for anyone who has hair and know, knows what that's like. <laughs> it's like, yeah, when you're kind of clearing your karma, it's, it is, it's, you're getting all the knots out, you're making everything smooth and just flowy and nothing's interfering or uh, stopping, <clears throat> obstructing, any, nothing's obstructing anything, or like you said, distorting. I like that word distorting because it feels very accurate to how I perceive like when I have my sessions and I'm tuning into that particular karma that is distorting my current situation or how I'm experiencing this life right now, it does very much feel like a distortion. Cause once it's cleared, it's, it's like the hair is combed. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. That's great. And again, you know, this, this message that I always get you know, I'll, I'll try to tune in in most of the work I do with him is, is in dream time. He's like, he's too busy to actually have a conversation on the phone with, but, you know, I'll ask him a question and the answer is like, do whatever you want, or just, it can be easy or, you know, some business decision is like, you know what to do. It's like, it's sometimes very unsatisfying because I'm trying to outsource my own living in a way, but it always comes back like, you know what to do. It's easy. Uh, you know, just trust yourself. You'll be fine. It's, it's like all the same messages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, it's been such a pleasure, Derek, having you on the show. I've learned a few new things here and uh, you've definitely opened up the perspective and expanded the mind on a few things. And I got to tell you, my favorite takeaway from this whole thing is the vibrational fertilizer. A hundred percent. I think that's just awesome. And, uh, and I also love how you are working with different access points with your clients. I think that's, um, incredible because we all will be able to access things in different ways and what access point works for someone may not work for another. And it's about discovering what works for you. And I think that's great. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Did you want to leave the audience with any particular message that you've been feeling called to share uh, before we end the show? Well, probably the last thing I said, you know, life, life can be easy. Uh, I have to remind myself that. And I, um, you know, I have a three-year-old daughter. And so she's kind of, uh, I just sort of modeled my behavior after, after her a little bit. <laughs> so um, but so I suppose if you wanted to find the same thing for yourself, if you're listening, you can find something in your life, an object or a picture or whatever it might be that helps you create a specific feeling state that reminds you of, uh, you know, either unconditional love or whatever your, your favorite state, your, you know, joy or exploration or whatever it might be, um, and having a physical object that you can use to, to remind yourself to, to go into that state. I love that. That's great. What a great message to leave the audience with. Thank you so much. And let my audience know um, what you've got going on and where they can find you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, DerekLoudermilk.com and on all the socials. And for spiritual entrepreneurs and healers, I have a mastermind called the League of Superconductors. Uh, which is a year-long um, business coaching container. We, we focus on business, uh, metaphysics, adventure, and mastery. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and that's your and that's your is that your leap method? Exactly. Yep. Okay. This, uh, this coaching coaching model that I have created over the last few years. I yeah. love it. Well, Derek, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I know my audience is going to definitely enjoy everything that you uh, shared today and everything you were putting down. I know I did. And uh, good luck with all of your endeavors. 
and uh, future trips to your future self. Thank you, thank you, yeah. <laughs> you said, I'm gonna use that crystal technology that you talked about. I think that's great. Uh, and to my audience, guys, I love you so much. Have a wonderful uh, evening and I'll see you guys next week. Thanks again for joining me for another show on the Enlighten Up podcast. I love you guys so much for all of your continued support. So remember to raise your vibe, find your tribe and be open to the infinite possibilities held in the mysteries that surround us all. Thanks again for sharing the show with your family and friends. And if you're new to the show and you need to find out more information about me, please head on over to my website, NicoleFrolic.com, where you can join my newsletter. And please follow me on Instagram, Telegram, and YouTube. Keep your light bright and I'll see you next week.